0: Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is a special episode. This is episode 170. I spoke with American session drummer Greg Bissonette. He's currently in New Zealand. Uh, He's been here a few times, um, but he's here doing the Jazz Gala with Roger Fox. And he's also doing some drum workshops as part of that. Um, He's a guy, look, I've listened to him for years. Most of my life I realise I've been listening to him. He was on David Lee Roth Records' Joe Cetriani album when I was growing up. And then I found out he'd played with Maynard Ferguson, who who I loved because I was a Buddy Rich fan and I was a big band fan and, you know... So I found out about all the stuff that he'd done, um, including now he's the touring drummer in the Ringo Starr All-Star Band. So he's been um, a big part of my musical life. And I've, I've seen him do a drum clinic about 20 years ago um, and loved it because one of the things I love the most about Greg is that he's a, uh, obviously it's rewarded now with his long-running um, time with Ringo Starr, but he's, he's a Beatles fan and as one of the great you know, session drummers who can do anything. It was it was very encouraging hearing him talk about how important Ringo Starr was as a drummer back when there was a bit of snobbery around whether Ringo was good, technically good or not. And uh, so, you know, I've always been a fan and it was a great honour to get this uh, chance to spend half an hour or so talking with him. So um, what you need to know about this, apart from the fact that it's a drum-heavy conversation, is a reference to the concert that I saw the night before, the workshop that he did the night before, and I also, before talking to him, I um, popped along and saw him working with the um, Victoria University School of Music big band. He was critiquing them, giving them feedback, coaching them, and that was amazing to watch too. So some of those things are referenced in this conversation, um, and hopefully it all makes sense, but certainly if you know that, uh, going into it then then it'll make sense um, this podcast may reach you while the jazz gala is going around the country still um, they are playing in where are they playing in Christchurch on the uh, Auckland on May the 29th Christchurch on May the 30th um, Upper Hutt on May the 31st and Palmerston North June the 1st and Napier June the 2nd uh, there'll be a link in this in the notes to this podcast to all of those dates um there'll be a link to the review that i did of greg's drum workshop his clinic in wellington because we also took that gets mentioned a couple of times so you'll be able to look at that um if you get this podcast in time and and are on the fence about going and seeing either a workshop that he's doing or one of these uh concerts please go along it was an amazing amazing concert experience um there's some other special guests um that are part of the jazz gala and uh that was amazing uh louis dealt as well as a uk trumpeter and he was brilliant he played in a Ferguson style so that was very complimentary with some of Greg's skills and Glenn Walters is a San Francisco based vocalist and he was he was great too and our local band and Roger of course they're great but um, I loved this conversation the chance to to meet Greg Bissonette to get him to sign my one of my David Lee Roth records and to have a chat with him about I mean his his incredible luck and timing and skill and um, how he has gone on to meet so many of his heroes and play in their bands or replicate their drum parts um, he's uh, a hard-working brilliant player and, and it was, he's a scholar and a gent and it was a real real great time getting to have a chat with him so i hope you enjoy this this is a special podcast for me this is me talking with american visiting drummer greg disney there's a
1: drummer that i went to school with in texas john bryant he was the one o'clock drummer years before I was in the yeah. lab man's in North Texas, and he ended up playing with Ray Charles. He was Ray Charles' drummer for yeah. years. And he actually wrote out the 12, 13, 14 reasons yeah. to love Ringo, why Ringo needs more respect, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I sort of did an accompanying story about, you know, my reasons why mm-hmm. I think he, he, he's the greatest, because he, he really taught me as a young drummer how to play for the song. And he had three Mm. of the greatest songwriters of all time, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison writing amazing songs. And he later wrote some amazing songs too, Octopus's Garden, and you Mm. know, uh, Don't pass me by. Don't come easy. But he always plays so that the vocals
0: are the main Mm. thing because people listen to the vocals first. It's not about the drum beat, you know. Mm -mm. He's yeah, and his his fills actually do what. The description of a fill is right. They yes. fill in the space rather than yes. take over. Yeah, you know, he doesn't do a fill that plays over top of a solo or right. or a vocal. He's actually working in that space.
1: And to me, fills are only necessary. There's nothing wrong with playing mm-hmm. a song with no fills, but they're only necessary. Like, say you're. Your you know, your intro's up here and you want to bring it down to a verse. Mm. Well, you might need a little to get it to the verse. And the B sections here, you need a little ramp up to get it to that next dynamic for the B. Then the chorus is here and you want to ramp up. It might come down for a bridge or whatever. But the fills can be a way to sort of telegraph mm. and help the
0: band dynamically and Ringo did that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that moving to the next stage of the story of the song. Yeah, and his yeah. tempos were all yeah. you
1: never listen to a Beatles song and there's two hundred and fifty or so them and go, wow, it's dragging or it's rushing. That band had incredible band time. Mm. It's not just the drummer's job to hold Mm. the tempo, it's the whole band, and they played so many gigs before they even recorded uh, in both Liverpool at the Cavern, and also in the Reeperbahn yeah. and in Josef in Hamburg. They played so much together. They had amazing
0: band time. Yeah, they've done. They did the classic ten thousand hours. You That's know, right. Before it was a thing. That's <laughs> they right. They were Simon. Out doing They it. did. They did. So, I mean, you grew up in a musical family. Yes. So, music was thrust on you, or you thrust yourself towards it, or both. I <laughs> loved
1: my parents and I wasn't one of those kids, neither were my brother or sister, Mm. that was rebelling against our parents. We had hip parents. I mean, they Mm. were musicians, right? So they weren't like real corny, cheesy, you know, major disciplinary. You didn't get a grade and you're grounded. They were
0: musicians, man. And they played cool instruments. They, they were cool they instruments. Weren't, they weren't playing like accordion and a polka band. No. Not not that there might there might be something okay about that, but well, they we played, played instantly cool stuff. We
1: played polka's yeah. with my dad's band, and there was an accordion player, mm. but that wasn't my dad. My dad mm. was a drummer. Yeah, yeah. And he paid the accordion player and we played polkas, but my dad played the drums. Mm. And the drums are for every style. Mm. My mom played piano, jazz like George Shearing voicings on she'd pick up Beatle tunes in her head. She didn't read a lot, but she'd hear a melody and she'd She'd harmonize it with these great George Shearing contemporary keyboard vocals, jazzy, uh, uh, not vocals, jazzy uh, chord uh, progressions. She played vibes and they, like you said, they played hip hip instruments Mm -hmm. and at night, I mean, it was the opposite of parents telling their 13-year-old, "It's midnight, go to bed." It was midnight, and yeah. I was trying to sleep so I could get up at six for baseball practice. And they're playing Dave Brubeck on the console stereo. Ba ba da ba do ba ba da ba. Mom, could you please have Dad turn to? Oh yeah, you know. Mm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> and then I get to sleep. Ba ba da ba da. And then Buddy Rich records had come on, and made her. Mom, could you please have Dad? Oh, yeah, honey, turn down the... And they'd have half a dozen people over, and they'd be partying at midnight. Mm.
0: Saturday, that was... I thought, that's pretty darn cool, you know? Mm-mm. I was amazed. I mean, I think I... I you know, in that review I did at the clinic um, that you mentioned, seeing, like, I, I touched on this, but you've kind of got... Your story's a dream story. You've got to play with, or is close to, these absolute heroes and icons. Do you want to talk through a bit of that? Because yeah. that's, that's amazing to hear.
1: <clears throat> well, thank you. It's not close to. It is. I mean, I saw the Beatles when I was seven because my dad was playing with his band, his quartet, in a hotel where the Beatles, he came out and the, the lobby was just festooned with thousands of screaming girls in downtown Detroit. And he asked his friend who hired him for the gigs in the hotel, he said, Mm -hmm. the food and beverage manager, Bob, he said, why are there thousands of screaming girls? Well, bud, the Beatles are playing tomorrow night at Olympia Hockey Arena where the Red Wings ice hockey team plays. He said, "The, the Beatles, wow. My kids love the Beatles. My wife and I love the Beatles. They're playing tomorrow. Hey, Bob, any chance of putting me close to six tickets for tomorrow? The guy says, Bud, are you out of your mind? It's the Beatles. They've been sold out for six months. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's true. But I like you. You're a good guy. It's all about people skills. Mm. You're a good guy. Come back at 1 a.m. when your gig's over. I'll see what I can do. I don't know who Bob talked to. It might have even been Brian Epstein, the Beatles, Beatles manager. It might have been Mal Evans. Who? Somebody mm. got him tickets. Some, it was probably a, a local promoter that the mm. guy knew. Mm. But he came in. My dad came into the bar with his tux tie unraveled. Hell of a beer. Hey, bud, I got good news and bad news. What's that, Bob? I got six tickets. He hands them to me. He goes, but it's going to cost you 36 bucks total, six bucks a ticket. My dad's thinking, well, I'm making 50 bucks on the gig, 36, I'll clear 14 bucks. Hey, kids, we're going to see the Beatles. (laughs) So I'm sitting in this arena with 30,000 screaming fans going, way down there on the floor are the Beatles. I'm in the same room with the four Mm. of those guys that I love. And my prayers were that I could be in a band like the Beatles. Well, I had my own original band with my brother in high school and You know, most original bands aren't going to go anywhere. You've got better chances of winning the lottery. So in college, you know, my my band directors and my parents said, hey, instead of trying to have your original garage band or basement band become the next Beatles Mm. or the next Aerosmith or Foo Fighters or whoever, why don't you just try to be the best Simon that you can be? And if you're the best Simon on the drums, you can fill in with other bands when somebody quits, somebody gets hurt, somebody gets fired because they don't have people skills. Work on the people skills, always treat people right, don't put people down, be positive, lift people up, play your butt off. So out of college, my dream that I set my focus on was to play with Maynard's band, Maynard Ferguson. From 12 years old, I'd see him, and I was a minor trumpet player, but I said, I wanna be in Maynard's band. Well, as a 12-year-old Christian boy, I thought, hey, Jesus said, ask and it'll be, you know, if it's in will with <laughs> yeah. God's will, ain't nothing wrong with asking. Oh, you're not supposed to pray. The Catholic guilt, you're not supposed to pray for yourself. Pray for the homeless, <laughs> pray for the poor, but don't pray for yourself. I started saying, I'm praying for the homeless, praying for the poor, but I'm going to pray for myself. Please God, help me get the gig with Maynard. It's my will. If it's your will, let's see what happens. I I fell into all these steps of going to the right college, Happened to go down the street one day, where Maynard's bus was outside, and then it says Maynard Ferguson bed. Holy cow, I go back to my hotel, I look up in the phone book, Holiday Inn, I call on the landline, way before there were cell phones, 1982, Uh, Can I have Maynard Ferguson's room? And the lady at the front desk goes, sure, hold on. (laughs) Wait a minute. So this guy, hello? Uh, Maynard? No, Maynard's in the shower. This is his lead trumpet player. Just came in his room to get the t-shirts. I sell the t-shirts. I said, I know, I've bought t-shirts from you. I know exactly who you are. (laughs) I said, hey, I got this gig tonight. I'm a Maynard freak. I play drums in the one o'clock. He goes, wait a minute. You play in the lab band at North Texas, and you like Maynard? I thought they were all straight ahead kind of snobs. They only liked Woody Herman and Stan Kenton. Maynard plays a lot of rock, and Hey Jude by The Beatles, and Chameleon by Herbie Hancock, and theme from Rocky. You like Maynard? I said, yeah, I'm a hack trumpet player. Maynard's my hero. It's always been my dream. I'm playing a gig tonight, an hour away in Dallas. I'd love to invite you guys to come out. He goes, our bus driver goes to sleep at 10. You know, we we can't. I said I've got four friends with station wagons. They'll take you guys down there. Bring your horns. Sit in. I'll put you on the guest list. Drinks are on me. They go, we'll be there. (laughs) The whole band shows up, Simon, and he gets a little bit, you know, and Mm. says, Hey, bro, I do the hiring and firing. We have a drummer now, but when he leaves, you got the gig. Same thing happened with David Lee Roth. Yeah, I was out of Maynard's band, going, Wow, so. How do I not be labeled a big band jazz drummer, but how can I play rock like Led Zeppelin or Van Halen? God, please help me get a gig like Journey, Van Halen, or Genesis. (laughs) Well, Steve Smith's the drummer in Journey. He's not going anywhere, I thought. Phil Collins is in Genesis. Alex Van Halen, what about your license? His name's on the license, that's the band, he's not going anywhere. David Lee Roth quits Van Halen, starts a band, I get the gig. Then our first album, we go to San Francisco. And then the next studio is Steve Perry and Journey. And he comes by, and he goes, hey man, you sound good. <coughs> you wanna audition for Journey? <laughs> I just fired Steve Smith. I said, why'd you fire Steve Smith? <laughs> You're never gonna find somebody like that. I'm in Dave's band, but you can audition for Journey. Mm-hmm. I'm in Dave's band. So watch what you pray for. Then I pray after that. Well, I don't wanna just be labeled a heavy metal guy. I'm a Beatles guy first. Help me play with Paul McCartney or Ringo or George. Well, I do a video with George for Gary Wright, the Dream Weaver guy. Mm -hmm. I'm in this video and the next thing you know, I get this phone call and it's Ringo's producer and he's producing Steve Perry from Steve, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. They want me to come down and play on a song. I do all these Ringo beats. He goes, hey, if Zach, Ringo's son, can't do this tour because he's out with the Who, you got the gig. Thank you, God. And get your brother. Does he have a Hofner bass like Paul? Yeah. He's got the gig on bass. You know, but if you pray for something and it's not God's, will, yeah. it's not going to happen. But you also, God gave us the ability to practice our going I was just
0: going to say, Prepare. The, big, the big thing in there is that you worked your butt off. And, you got to. And, and through, um, you know, we're ripping through this, but with David Lee Roth, you're also playing with Steve Vai really she and, right. and right. amazing band and then you and then you go and play with Joe Satriani one of the other towering guitar figures so y- your story is amazing these these things you've ticked off well thanks the other thing that I didn't really talk about yet is recommendations mm. and, and you know
1: Roger and Roger mm. said hey Simon's a good guy would you do an interview with him and then he shows me the piece you did I'm like holy cow I'd love to do something with Simon thanks for writing such a great review yesterday right so Roger knew you, and mm. now you and I are friends, and that's what the music business is like. Steve Lukather, the guitarist from Toto, I had played some jazz gigs with him at the Baked Potato, this little dinky jazz club the size of mm. this room. Mm. And when Joe Satriani said, yeah, I'm, I'm wanting to find a new drummer and bass player maybe like brothers that play together a lot you know because my last drummer and bass player fought like crazy mm. and he said you should i just played on Greg Bissonette's album his brother Matt wrote the song and produced it he's a great bass player you should audition them together cuz you'll like them Joe auditions us Andy Johns the producer was the
0: producer and engineer with Led Zeppelin mm. on when the Levee breaks one of the other pieces in the puzzle for you as a drummer that grew up loving Led Zeppelin so here's Andy yeah. Johns going,
1: yeah, Joe, hire these guys. And
0: that came from Steve Lukather. Mm. Well, everything go- comes around
1: and goes around. People skills are so important. Mm. Luke's going, hey, Craig, you got to tell Ringo about me. I want to be in Ringo's band. When the time was right, we were in Paris, and we had a night off. And I took Ringo's manager to hear Totem. I said, this guy, he didn't sing all of Rosanna. He didn't sing all of Africa, but he can, mm. and he does now. Sit in the front row, and he was like, 40,000 people in this big arena. He goes, I'm telling Ringo. So I helped Lukather get the gig. He helped me get Satriani's gig. People skills are major. They always say, watch when you're climbing that ladder of success, if you want to call it success, getting different gigs. Watch that you're cool to people every step of the way. Mm. Because at the top of that rung, someday you're going to come down those rungs and everyone can hit you on the chin Mm. in a bad way if you're not Mm. cool on the Mm. way up. I'm not talking karma. I'm just talking be a good human
0: Mm-mm. well I mean I just watched you coaching the um, school big band here I watched you in a clinic last night and in a concert it just you just exude a joy about being able to do what you do and connecting on stage with the musicians and then with the audience it just comes across in every yeah I've Simon. seen you in three different you know contexts well thank you Simon I have to say on the way over here,
1: on the plane, Uh, I flew on Air New Zealand, and a 13 hour flight, luckily by the grace of God I slept eight of those 13 Mm. hours. But when I woke up, I was asking the Kiwi next to me, what are you watching? He said, oh, this amazing music, amazing movie about they will not grow old, or they will not be forgotten, it's a World War II movie, Mm. about these guys that uh, were in England, and they were A lot of them enlisted in World War II because they wanted to fight, you know, keep England's freedom from uh, the Germans and Hitler and and the Nazi thing and everything else. So I'm watching this movie, and these guys are 17, 18, and they are in the army, and all they have is what's on their back, and they have to shine their shoes, and they have to have their boots. Here's the boots. Well, these don't fit me. Well, they're, they're the right boots. You got the wrong feet, and they're marching for eight months with shoes that are two sizes too small and they're dying left and right, and they're, you know, we play music, Mm. you know? Mm. I look at Ringo and he says, man, when I was 18 in Liverpool, if you were sitting on the couch, forget about college, we couldn't afford college, maybe didn't even graduate high school, but if you're not working and you're 18 years old, they'll beat the crap out of you in Liverpool. It's a working class town, you work. And he says, my job is to make music. I make albums and I tour. He's going to be 79, Simon, on July 7th, and he has ripped abs, cut arms, and he goes out. We just went to Japan for three weeks. People are screaming and crying and exuding joy, and he's loving that he's giving that, and they're Mm -hmm. giving it back. These guys gave me a lot back today. Last night in the clinic, they gave me a lot back in the concert. I'm feeding off them. They're feeding off me. By the grace of God, we're playing music and getting
0: paid for it? How could, Why would you ever complain? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you playing drums with Ringo Starr must be an every night pinch yourself. Thing. Every minute of every night, mm. I'm looking over, going, this is the guy.
1: My dad fought to buy those tickets. This is the guy that I saw on the Ed Sullivan show for the first time, and went, I want to do that. And in A Hard Days Night, the girls chasing him down the street. What you know? Mm. Nine-year-old boy doesn't want girls to chase him down this street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to do
0: that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you watch the Paul McCartney concerts, and Abe, who's been playing with him for a long time now, so great. I imagine you know he's a
1: very good friend. I remember him when he was just a little kid. Wow, yeah. He's,
0: his he's again, I, I play with his family. Dad all yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And
1: Abe is—he's got his dad's
0: groove. I'll yeah. tell you that. He's got his dad's joy. I tell. I was going to say he puts across so much that He's joy. just so. Happy to be there, and he's been there for a long time. Well, he's there
1: for a right time for mm. many reasons, because mm. he's a phenomenal drummer, a phenomenal singer, and a phenomenal human, mm. and he exudes so much joy. He makes Paul laugh when they're doing
0: Maybe I'm Amazed, and he's just going for it. He's having a ball, and it's mm. it's contagious. Mm-mm. So you mentioned before like the the great jazz drummers that you see as the obvious innovators, and obviously there are hundreds, but but you mentioned Buddy Rich and Elvin Jones and Steve Gadd and Tony Williams. And Tony Williams. Who who are the rock guys, for, yeah. I guess, for you? Ringo That's is it. obviously one. Well, for me, yeah.
1: everybody's got their own list, mm. but A, it's Ringo, mm. the Beatles, his solo stuff. B, it would have to be John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Um, and then it's a long
0: fall off Yeah, yeah, from those yeah. two. Those are the yeah. two. But and it, someone but like so Alex Van Halen is probably in there. Well,
1: he's he's near. Stuart Copeland of, yeah. is near. Yeah. Stuart Copeland's a game changer. Mm. Keith Moon was a game changer. Mitch Mitchell was a game changer. Billy Cobham, Ginger Baker, uh, Neil Peart. So many game changers. Mm. But Ringo
0: and Bonham those were the two two. but yeah Stuart Copeland's kind of to rock what Steve Gadd is to jazz right no kidding
1: he changed the mm, game Something that's a great analogy Stuart Copeland came along when I was in college 1978-79 what in the world I wasn't a kid that grew up listening to Bob Marley I just didn't Mm. I wasn't a stoner, I wasn't a reggae dude, but when Stuart Copeland played reggae...
0: You wanted to do reggae grooves. <laughs> all of a sudden I wanted to know yeah. about
1: reggae. Yeah. And then when he started doing ska, I would mm. never heard of ska. Mm. He started doing punk. I wasn't a big Sex Pistols guy. I wasn't a big punker, but Stuart Copeland played punk intelligently and mm. creatively, and it was like punk, reggae, ska.
0: Mm. What mm. the heck? And he'll tell you he's a combination of Ringo and Buddy. Hmm. And reggae. You're, you've just reeled off this. I mean, your CV is this incredible hit list of things you've you've worked hard for, you've prayed for, you've been lucky, you've been talented. Um, are there gigs that you've missed out on that you know you you really sat with you for a long time? Because you because we're just talking about all these incredible.
1: Yeah, I did a few auditions that didn't go so well. You know, <laughs> the first audition I ever did in L.A. Mm. Uh, I was new in LA, I didn't know anybody, I just had this list of people that my band director in Texas, Leon Breeden, God rest his soul, had given me and I'm making cold calls on the landline all day long, sending out cassette tapes of my demos, you know, all this stuff, and I hear that one of the cool things you can do, you gotta be proactive, is go to where the auditions are and find out who's auditioning. There was three, there were three big rehearsal studios in Los Angeles where People went to rehearse for their tour. Those were also the places when there were cattle call auditions, people would have the auditions. So one day I go down to one of them and I hear talk that Stevie Wonder is looking for a drummer. I'm thinking Stevie Wonder has a great drummer, Dennis Davis. And is a great drummer. And Stevie is a great drummer. (laughs) Yeah. So I go home and I use a little bit of Detroit where Stevie's from, Ingenuity, and I I I go to the record store and I look, who's his label? Oh, it says Motown Records. Oh, well, I'm just (laughs) gonna call Motown Records. Yes, I am. I'm just calling uh, to find out who Stevie's being managed with right now. Oh, Stefan Morris Agency. Here's the number, 213. So I call and I say, hi, this is Greg Bissonette, and I hadn't played with anybody, so it's Catch-22, how are you going to get <laughs> yeah, a gig if you don't have a gig? The only drummer I could even think about that I had met that I wasn't totally lying was Carmine Peace. Mm. Carmine Peace has about as much in common with Stevie Wonder as The Man in the Moon, but I just said, oh, hi, this is Greg Bissonette. Carmine Peace mentioned to me that, that I should audition <laughs> for Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah, be at uh, SIR Studios tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Thank you. I just got an audition with Stevie Wonder. <laughs> how am I going to prepare for this? Mm. By the grace of God, I learned how to read really well. So I stay up all night writing out about 40 of his hits, and he's got bajillions. So I've got him on file cards. I bring them to the audition. There's about 20 drummers in line. It's 3 o'clock, no Stevie. 4 o'clock, no Stevie. 5 o'clock, no Stevie. And some of the guys, ah, oh, screw this, So they're walking away. 6 o'clock, no Stevie. There's only three of us in line at seven o'clock. I'm the only one in line at nine o'clock because one of the managers walked by and says, you know, Stevie, he doesn't see. He's not daytime and nighttime. Don't really <laughs> work with him. He's on Stevie time. Hang out, he'll be here. I'm the only one in line, Simon. He walks in. I sit on the drums that are there. Drummer, what do you want to play? I start crying. I'm. Audition. I'm playing. There's a big room. He and I were the only ones in the room. Uh, Stevie, how about your new single, Do I Do? This is 1982, mm. right? Mm. Great. So, he counts it off. We play it. And it's just like, Oh, I'm playing with Stevie. When I see you on the street, he's playing the mini move. Boom, 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 boom. When I see you on the street, my ho- I'm just crying. This is Stevie Wonder. Sounds just like him. He goes, good one, drummer, good one. What do you want to play next? How about Master Blaster? So I used to play that in our band in Texas. Mm. He goes, Great, you start. So I turn off the snare like a timbali. Dracon. Mm. ba. on the street. He's singing away. It goes great. And then he goes, Okay, we played two that you wanna play. Now we're gonna play something <laughs> I wanna play. You know contusion? Psst. Oh I that one. <laughs> That's hard. I don't really know, and I, I've heard it, of course, but mm. he goes, don't worry, it goes from 5'4 to 7'4, it's 5'8 to 7-8, mm. but just follow my head. I sucked, that was all, and he stops, he goes, that's okay, lead me back to the drums, he puts his hand up, I grab his hand, I lead him back to the drums, he feels my sticks, he doesn't hold them like this, like, or this, or any recognizable grip, he holds them like clubs. And he plays this beat. Did you play that? And I said,
0: no. Not like that.
1: <laughs> he goes, okay, thanks for coming. <laughs> he wanted to see what else was out there, but he wanted to keep his drummer. Mm. He kept Dennis Davis. They were having some problems. He wanted Dennis to know,
0: I'm doing I'm auditions. At, yeah, I can find someone. But anyway, that was something I'd love to play with Stevie. And with. you learned so much from that experience right I I and mean, that's I did not only a great story that's uh, that's learning experience that's in your mind i imagine for the next few years every time you audition it is yeah yep. and 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 a lot of different grace notes from that exactly <laughs> yeah what's your instrument well i well I, you know i'd be lying if i said i was any sort of good drummer but i own a drum kit i can
1: tell you played something
0: <laughs> yeah i haven't played for a long time but i you know i'm more of a listener these days but um drums are very much foremost for me in my mind when i'm listening to music i'm awesome i'm hooked on it and and i'll go back to it you know i, I still i've got a practice pad and sticks and i've I, I probably do more practice now as a non-playing drummer than i ever did which is probably why i stopped playing you know but well, the other great thing i tell students too don't think that you have to go head first into drums. You know,
1: don't be afraid to be a journalist or be a whatever you wanna do Mm. to make money, then you play more for fun as opposed to I gotta take this crummy gig or I can't buy food, you know. That's a great
0: idea, but you don't make money as a journalist, I can tell you. So some journalists do Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slice that one off your list, but (laughs) I know some journalists that Mm. I'm a sports guy.
1: Mm. So my friend who's a drummer is a very well known he started very small but worked his way up mm. with podcasts and now he's the number one guy for the Dodgers. He's on T V wow. and radio yeah, right. travels with the team. Yeah. But he's a drummer. Yeah, yeah. So he gets to play drums for fun and he makes pays the mortgage with yeah, yeah. being a journalist
0: you know, a yeah, sportscaster. Yeah. So you've I mean you've done sessions for films, T V. You're you're a guy who just turn up for work and and in the sense that I mean You've got obligations. You've got a family. You've got a house. You've got this is your life. This is your job. Right. So, you know, it, it sounds like you always sort of came at it with this completely non-precious. I just want to play, attitude. Well, within reason, that's clearly served you well. Thank you. I had parents that were very realistic, and I, I had parents
1: that also saw the bad side of of music and alcohol and drugs Mm -hmm. and people that didn't show up for gigs or people that were late. And my father and mother instilled in me to keep your head clean, to be early for a gig, be set up, be ready to go, but also use your business sense. And in a capitalistic society where, thank God, we get to set a price, you know, there's nothing wrong with being competitive. And some of my gigs uh, I've been able to get because... It's free enterprise, and if somebody is going to charge this much, but they're looking for somebody to do the gig for a little less, and you don't have a gig, get in there, do a great job, and then you can command more. It's, I'm a capitalist. I'm a free enterprise guy. I believe in the business of being self-employed. I love being an employee of Ringo, but yet I'm a 1099 guy, a self-employed contractor with Roger Fox. Mm-hmm. So my parents instilled that to me about... You know, this, if this is going to be what you do for a living, don't just treat it like you said precious and mm. I'm only going to play this gig if it's the right gig. Somebody once asked Jim Keltner in a, in a modern drummer, mm. you know, what if it's some music you don't want to play like a Pampers commercial for diapers? You know, you don't want to do that, right? And he said, man, in L.A., if somebody's going to be paid to set up my drums. I mean, setting up your drums is is hard work, Mm. and schlepping your drums, and putting them in the car, and cutting your fingers, and hurting your back. If someone, after years of carting your drums around, is gonna take your drums that you like, tune them up, put new heads on, set them up at Capitol Records, one of the greatest studios in the world, iconic Capitol Records Mm. in Hollywood, and then they're all mic'd up, and they'll even help get some sounds, and you walk in, and you see all your friends there, and you talk about what movie you just Mm. saw, the new Avengers movie, or you played golf, or how about those Dodgers, or whatever it is. And then you make music with your friends, and you get paid the same amount of money as you're playing with anybody. Mm. Uh, Who
0: cares if it's a Pampers commercial? Mm
1: -mm. Play drums and have fun
0: and get paid. Well, one of the things that I I feel like a professional musician has to have is... To constantly be gathering experiences, right? Always, not just you know, like different different experiences, meeting different people, learning to do different things, and maybe having a laugh at the end of a session that man, that was that was not my ideal thing. That right. was strange, right. but that still feeds into the next great project, right? I I wouldn't even go as far as to say you know that was. <laughs> that was a bad session i would
1: just go like there's an old expression about polishing a turd have you ever heard Mm -hmm. that like some singer songwriters got this really lame song and they put you through the paces about not that beat not that fill play this do this this stunning snare at the end of the day you're there being paid great money to record and a lot of A lot of musicians will say, oh, that sucked. That was just polishing a turd. Mm -hmm. If it's a turd, it's still a turd at the end of the day. You might dress it up to look like a... But it's still a piece of turd, right? Well, I I don't think that's healthy. Because that person might have this song, and it might never get signed to a record label. It might never get on the radio. But that's something that that person wrote. And they said... I'm going to hire Simon to play drums on it. Who cares if it's not a good song or if it's a turd? Just go there and try to help that person, make it the best it can be, and be positive. Positivity is something that the older I get, the less of it I see. I see a lot of people complaining. and, And that negativity doesn't bode well with getting hired. The more positive and uplifting you can be, uh, that is contagious and that helps you get hired, I
0: think. Mm, mm. you got one of the all-time great drum mentors uh, as a band leader with Ringo in terms of um, his age and doing it as well as everything, everything that he's achieved. So I imagine that feeds into, you know, you're never going to give up anytime soon when you see that as a role model, right? Well, he's not only a role model for the drumming, but he's a health role model. Yeah. He yeah. lives his life right.
1: First of all, it's peace and love mm. and that's not an act. He really loves people. You mm, mm. can't love everybody because everyone in the world wants to get to a beetle. But he, especially with the group of guys, he's around. We mm. fly together. We hang out backstage together. He loves us. He gives us advice about what to eat, how to exercise. Um, you just watch him and he's he, he's got a lot of joy mm, and mm. a lot of love and that translates into peace. Peace is, you know, something I pray about every day. It's like, this world isn't meant to be a piece of cake. It's meant to have trials and tribulations and death and disease and everything else, but all we can do is try to live in the moment, not dwell on the past or freak out about the future, and he's about the most in the moment guy I know. Mm, mm. That's a a real art, being right now, Simon and I. Yeah, Lance just knocked on the door and said, we gotta be somewhere, but Mm. it's not about that, it's about What's happening at 4.59 <laughs> p.m. Mm. today, Mm-mm. right now? That's a great way to live, and that's what Ringo has taught me, is to try to really live in the now.
0: Mm-mm. Well, my last question, we could probably spend another whole half hour on, but I, I wanted to ask you, you've you've managed to create some great drum beats that you've created. You know, I love that opening track, Joe Citriani's the extremist. Oh, thank you. You know, but you've also got to... Cover other drummers in a sense—you get to play Ringo's songs and fills. Do you have a favorite song that you've, you know, got to cover? Like, you know, watching Rosanna, obviously by Toto. That's one of them. To, that has to be right That's up there. That's one of them. Yeah, Rosanna's definitely yeah. one of them. Um, can you narrow it down? Yeah,
1: I can narrow it down. Um, when I cover, I have a Beatle band with my brother yeah. and Brett Tuggle and a guy named Rocket Rashad in LA, and when we play. Strawberry Fields. Oh, there's this swing and lope to. Even though it's a straight eighth note song. Mm. Let me take you down. Ringo's not doing this with sixteens. It's let me take you down. Because I'm going. He's got this swing, you know. And whenever I cover a song of Ringo's, it's a swing. Mm. <laughs> Tomorrow never knows. She's got a ticket to ride. Come together. There's a swing to his playing. So covering that, covering... I did a John Bonham tribute concert in Los Angeles last year, and I asked to play Fool in the Rain, because that... Mm, formed Rosanna. <laughs> it did. Yeah, it formed
0: Rosanna, so Yeah, you know. That was a quintessential bottom song. Mm, mm. So those are some of the biggest... Yeah, it's somewhere in between that and, and Bernard Purdy, isn't it? Who... Bernard Purdy, I have a little bit of a bone to pick. Do you? Because, yeah, because Bernard is a fantastic drummer. Mm, mm. Bernard played on a lot of great songs. He played on uh, Rock oh, Steady yeah. by... Oh, yeah, you have Frank. a bone to pick with him over the Beatles. Thing. Not just the Beatles. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was at a nam show where Roger Hawkins, I think is the drummer from... Mm. Uh, uh, muscle Shoals that yeah. played on Respect. Yeah. This kid walks up to Bernard and said, Mr. Purdy, would you please sign my Rocksteady album? Why, sure, young man. Bernard Purdy Purdy. And would you please sign my Respect? He played so great on that. He could have gone, oh, uh, yeah. oh, that's that guy over there. And he was nearby at the right, right. He said, sure, young man. <laughs> now he says he's played on every Beatles song, even yes. the live stuff at Shea Stadium. Where were you, Bernard Ringo? I was under the stage. The stage was three feet tall. <laughs> so he's got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Where one little lie, they say, tell the truth, it's less to remember. Yeah, yeah. He got caught in a lie, and it's a little bit like now the love John it. Lovitz on SNL. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a ticket. I walked on the moon. That was me. <laughs> Not cool, yeah,
0: man, yeah. not cool. And Ringo, it kind of hurts him a little. He says, if he was there, where was I? Why is he doing that? Well, you were just doing vocalizations of you know Ringo drum parts when we were talking about the songs. You were tapping them out and vocalizing them. And even non-drummers recognize, you know, that's how important Ringo stuff is, right? And how big those songs are, is even a non-drummer can recognize... Every single song you just sort yeah, of riffed on there yeah, in our yeah. conversation. Bernard's great. I mean, Babylon Sisters. You oh, know. yeah. Yeah, Rock I mean, steady. he doesn't yeah. need to. Yeah, he die. doesn't need to grab extra songs. He's done enough. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's
1: the way it is. So. And, 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 and you.
0: you've done enough giving me 35 minutes of your time. So thanks so much. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, it was great to meet you. <laughs> great yeah. to meet you. <laughs>